Wednesday, people. Before we even get into things, I gotta I gotta give out some thank yous here. First of all, Brent Hutto, he was on um he was on I think last week, right at our at our uh, small fleet summit, and he had this hat on, and I was like, hey man, that hat's really cool. It says Truckers Run the Nation. That's the organization that this is from, and it says their mission is: when we see truckers, we see the backbone of our great nation. We know that without the trucking industry, business would not exist. Check them out at truckersrunthenation.com. Pretty cool hat. Also got to say uh, thank you to Bill Hell. Bill Hell sent me this uh, fetch coat shirt right here. Beautiful little fetch coat shirt. But that's not the fun part. Like, this is cool and all. This will be nice. But here's the good part. He sent me a screaming goat. Check that out. Fetch coat. Now I can use this whenever I guess uh, bore me or annoy me on here instead of just cowbelling them. I got a uh, goat to add to the repertoire. Speaking of people annoying me, how about D.A.T.? D.A.T. got on the nerves of our CEO and founder, and he decided he needed to clap back his own hands here. He said, Dad Executive told a group of shippers that they foresaw the freight recession starting 18 months ago. Except they didn't. Last April, they called our freight recession articles inflammatory and compared us to a dim-witted chicken little character. He says they should stick to load boarding. Yeah, the sky is falling and we're the one dropping on your head, D.A.T. Stop misadvising the people out here. Something to go buy equipment just because you want them on your load board. Right? Think about the people. That's what we're doing. We're doing all show. Actually, as a matter of fact, explaining to brokers how these trucking rates are going goes a little something like this. Hey, man, big dog. I need you, big dog boy. Look here. Boy, I need you bad, man. I need about 50, man. I mean, I ain't waiting, on, waiting, waiting to see what I come up with. God damn me. I said, let me go see boss. Yo, you don't do that for me, big dog. I need about 50. Man, it's too late. Man in the night, man. Hey. We laugh because it's easier than crying, but seriously, this is what people had to say. I'm seriously fighting for my life out here on these boards. It's really that bad out here. It's bad. They are probably like five trucks for every load out there. Carriers are fighting for scraps. Scamdolf says, working on the industry, I can definitely confirm. Laugh my ass off. All right. Well, on the show today, I'm talking to Freightwave's Joe Antoshack about jobs data released Friday that shows some bizarre resiliency in transportation employment. What is going on, man? We're over capacity. Why are we still adding capacity here? That's going the wrong direction. Fuel Man's Keegan Russo and Ashley Summer, they share strategies for getting the most mileage out of your fuel card. Important. And good thing those diesel prices are going down, too. Duke AI's Marcus Cooksey. He's at the forefront of the AI movement in freight. We're going to find out what is good in AI and freight? Is it taking all of our jobs? Is it reshaping supply chains? I don't know. He does, though. And super trucker Justin Martin will be here. He's going to bring the driver perspective on cargo theft rings, robot maids, fruit roll-up smuggling, two-way bathroom mirrors at truck stops, and Nintendo Switch sales. So let's tip the band and we'll get all into it. Supply chain challenges are not always easy, but a commitment from the team at Dunavant Logistics to take on that responsibility is unwavering. Dunavant. Logistically speaking, they're at the center of it all. Visit them at Dunavant.com. But right now, we're going to visit with Joe Antoshack. He's a senior editorial researcher here at Freight Waves and a little bit of a goat himself. What's up, Joey? 
What's up, Dooner? How you doing? I gotta say, I'm a little heartbroken to see the Red Sox hat. I didn't realize you were a Boston fan. <sighs> well, you know, here's the thing. So, I'm a Red Sox fan. My sons are growing up out here. You know, the Braves are on TV. I have MLB TV, but their friends are Braves fans. You know, the Braves used to play in Boston. But right now, right now, I got no love for the Braves. When they're not playing the Red Sox, fine. They're my adopted NL team. But right now, we got a series going on. One we lost last night. One we are behind in. I know they they got us over the weekend, too. Uh, I'm an Orioles fan myself. Uh, We've been having a great year, but the Braves are good. Yeah, well, you did a good job beating out a bunch of cupcakes. I'm sure you've looked at the data and the strength of schedule (laughs) of some of the teams you beat, but now you're at the real meat of the schedule, so we'll see how things go over there. That we will. That's a good point. Well, you got to be resilient. You got to be resilient in baseball. Even if you have a bad April, you got to make it all the way to October, right? Or if you have a good April, you got to make it there. Well, let's talk about supply chain today because there's some new data and something we haven't really talked about recently is these jobs numbers, right? Um, today, like you posted this stat earlier, it said today's U.S. trucking market is 45% more authorized for higher fleets than in January 2020. But what's going on in the greater employment? Let's start at warehouses. Show this chart. Joe, what are we talking about here? Yeah, so, so this is kind of the high-level transportation and warehousing uh, jobs data. It was released last week for April uh, and this sort of gives an idea of, um, you know, total jobs in transportation uh, right now. Uh, and you can see, you know, post-COVID uh, brief recession, uh, we added jobs very, very quickly. Uh, since about the middle of last year, though, we've kind of plateaued a bit. Uh, and I've, I've, I've added here the um, BLS uh, projection, which is 0.7% uh, compounded annual growth. So that gives you an idea of what they expect. Um, if we can move on to the next chart, though, we can actually get into the nitty gritty of these different sectors. Yeah, here we go. Sure. So this breaks it down based on uh, segments. Okay, so of course, you can see warehousing and storage on top there, and you see truck transportation, couriers and messengers, and so on. Uh, some interesting things to look at here. Uh, one, you can see the rise in warehousing and storage employment as Amazon and this e-commerce boom really took hold in uh, the 21st century, really in the last 10 years or so. Uh, And you can also see the rise in couriers and messengers, right? Truck transportation has meanwhile been uh, steadier growth, right? Um, But still, you know, still growing, still still moving along. Uh, And then if we can just actually pull up the next chart, I just want to focus on these top two, warehousing and storage and truck transportation. This is the meat of what's interesting, okay? Truck transportation not a whole lot going on there. It's, 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 it's sort of leveling out. Okay. And the reason why, uh, that's not super surprising, like you, why you're not seeing a giant drop off, uh, is probably in, in large part because of owner operators who have, uh, hung on for a long time. And now they're, they're, they're going back to, uh, to become company drivers. Right. What is interesting is that in this last jobs report, the warehousing and storage, uh, jobs data actually improved, uh, from the prior month. And this is the first time since uh, I think it was June 2022 that we saw that growth. And that's somewhat unusual, right? Because consumption is not really uh, so much improved. The consumer is kind of in a worse place now than they have been in a long time. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure what to make of that. Optimistically, maybe it's it's the bottom of the the e-commerce floor and we'll just kind of hang around there, you know? Do you see in these two lines here, the important ones, do you see any mass attrition coming? Because we hear so 
often like you just look in the employment, and I understand this is warehouses, but like if you're on LinkedIn, um, you're hearing about a lot of office workers losing their jobs. And, I, and again, it's anecdotal. It's people you're seeing in your own timeline, but it seems like a lot of people are losing jobs. And in trucking, all I hear from drivers is that, you know, there's five, there's five trucks for every load out there and they, you know, they, they have no pricing power whatsoever. Yeah, so um, I, I have been thinking about this a lot, and, and, and it's actually something, I mean, on the research team, obviously, we're sort of digesting all this data all the time. We're talking to people, you know, pricing analysts, uh, VPs at companies, stuff like this. And, and, and one of the things that, that has been really interesting to hear from multiple people uh, is that, right, I mean, like, everyone is wondering, like, why is the jobs data still so strong? It's like we, we're hearing, you know, in freight about layoffs seemingly all the time, you know, I mean, it's maybe not quite as bad as, as uh, some downturns have been in the past, but, but the expectation would be that the jobs data would start to bear this out. Uh, and I think that rather than see a dramatic decline, and, and this might just be my optimistic side coming out, I think that we'll probably just plateau, maybe tick down slightly, but I don't think we're going to see the kind of like dramatic uh, job loss that, uh, you know, we saw for, uh, you know, when, when like the COVID shutdowns happened, I don't think there's a lot of reason to think it's going to be that dramatic. I think that uh, we're just going to kind of be in like the doldrums for a while, uh, potentially until the ne- the, uh, the end of the year. Right. Uh, but hopefully there is no cataclysmic event that, that really shoots things down. You know, it doesn't appear automation and advances in automation are making any dent in warehouse employment whatsoever. No, and that you're right. That is actually another surprising thing. Um, I mean, at some point, you'd think that's got to happen. But uh, right, I mean, there's just been exponential growth there. And right, like as I mentioned earlier, it overtook truck transportation as uh, you know, kind of the number one segment in transportation and warehousing. So um, we haven't seen that automation uh, sort of bump to the uh, the human employee yet. Well, I know drivers want to see that that trucking employment line go down, so they get they get better uh, strength with with rates and everything here. But what about warehouse employment? Is this a good thing or a bad thing that these numbers are holding so strong? Oh man, it just depends on who you are and and what vantage point you're coming at it. You know, it's like if you're in e- e-commerce, obviously you're you're enthused, you're you're very excited about it. Uh, if you are, uh, I mean, and it it, it sort of depends. Like if you're a trucker, like what kind of things you're, you're, you're hauling? I mean, it could be, it could be decent news. Uh, it could also be, um, I don't know, some, some potentially negative news, right? Where it's like data like this is going to encourage uh, the Federal Reserve to think like, oh, you know what? Consumers are pretty resilient. We actually have a little bit more room to make things tougher. Uh, and um, that obviously would not be good for, uh, you know, truckload carriers, Uh or really anyone in in the the freight transportation market. So what does this mean for the overall sentiment? Let's take a look at your next chart here. Break this one down for me. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So uh, about two weeks ago, we published our um, Q2 uh, freight sentiment indexes. And and, uh, I'm not going to spend too long talking about um, how it works. But basically, we survey these different segments, shippers, brokers, and carriers, kind of separately. And we ask them the same series of questions having to do with like company profitability and workforce and business investment, that kind of stuff. Uh, so for the first time, and, and these are young indexes, right? This is just the third quarter that, that we've been calculating them. Carriers dipped into the negative. That's not a surprise to anyone who is kind of in the industry. Uh, but what is surprising is that like the way these indexes are set up, uh, longer term uh, sentiment 
it, it is sort of uh, the overall indexes are kind of biased toward that, right? Because you're asking companies in 12 months, how are you going to be compared to now? It's human nature to say, oh, we're going to be more profitable. We're going to have more employees. You know, it has to be like a, a really serious issue for uh, uh, someone at a company to say, you know, in 12 months, we're not going to be around or it's going to be worse. So anyway, so even with that bias, carriers still came in negative. And actually, if we can pull up just the, the last chart here that kind of shows um, uh, each of these segments individually, it shows how it happens. Uh, near-term profitability, negative again. No surprise there. It's been negative for each of these three quarters. Uh, but one thing to talk about when we're talking about capacity, potentially capacity leaving the market, is that this near-term workforce number dipped into the negative, which essentially means carriers think they're going to end the quarter uh, with fewer people on the payroll than they started it. So for any truckers out there who are you know, sort of hoping for any news that uh, you know, an, an indication of capacity leaving the market. Uh, this is that, um, and we'll have to see how it plays out as the quarter progresses. But uh, it is a good indication for the idea of like capacity kind of uh, right sizing with uh, demand. So, for the for those of us with short attention spans, what's the, uh, the TL <laughs> the TLDL the too long didn't listen? What's a sixty second takeaway we should take from this? Yeah, well, uh, so I think that that that. Uh, Carriers, I, I mean, I know it's, you know, it, it, it's sort of hollow words, but like, hang on there because um, we are, we are sort of at the bottom now, uh, at least that this is my opinion. We're at the bottom now. Uh, things can't deteriorate much further. Um, so if you are, you know, sort of prudent about your business practices, you're, you're keeping expenses in control and you're, you're um, you know, sort of scrapping out a living, uh, things will improve uh, by the end of the year. Uh you just got to hold on. All right, Joe, it's time to send you to the wheel of stupid questions. Go wide on the wheel, people. We got to see the wheel spinning. Can't have a two box here. There we go. There we go. Let's get it spinning. I know. Show the wheel some respect, guys, in the back. All right. Oh, mystery question. Good. I'm going to tie it into today. You've been arrested for smuggling 500 pounds of this snack into a foreign country. What snack is it? Oh boy. Wow. What a great question. I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be just unsalted cashews, man. I've been so about them recently. I've been going nuts on them. Yeah. Wow. All right. And a nice pun, a nice pun to put it there too. Well, Hey Joe, thank you very much. Go check out Joe Antoshack and all his research breakdowns as he, uh, looks on the, um, the, the nerdy side of this freight market. I appreciate it today. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Dooner. <laughs> Take care. Have a good one. All right. Meanwhile, What's going on here? Hey, according to Davids, a California sea lion is using his snout to press buttons while observing the screen on what's called an enclosure video enrichment system, a game system Navy scientists have created as part of their latest research on cognitive enrichment for marine mammals, and it celebrates each win with cheers and a nice fish treat. Under the U.S. Marine Mammal Program, scientists at the Naval Information Warfare Center for the Pacific care for more than 120 sea lions and dolphins. Enrichment activities such as uh, ocean open swims, playtime with toys, and now video games remain central to that program. He's doing a good job at Pong, too. I don't know. Can you play Street Fighter II, sea lion? Who are you using? I'll kick your ass out there. Drop a quarter. All right, let's talk to Marcus Cooksey. He's sitting there. He looks beautiful right in my green room. He's CEO over at Duke AI. What's up, man? How you, how you doing? I like the jacket. 
Man, that seal right there playing that video game. Someone needs to be uh, a question about the user interface with that. That that mean they they assume he had fingers and thumbs, right? They need a whole radically new joystick for him in order for it to be. Yeah, I'm impressed. They're very good, good for the seal to be able to maneuver around that. But you, they need Nintendo. Cool. Like Nintendo, they always come up with like some weird controller and some contraption that blows your mind. They need <laughs> them on the seal. You're right. He just has. It's so indignant. He has to just touch his nose to everything. It's not even made for a seal. No, it's not. But oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus, how's everything treating you? Where are you coming in from? And just uh, what real brief? What's Duke for those who may not have caught you on here before? Oh, man, um, we're, we're here in Dallas. Uh, the whole team is here in Dallas, and Duke is basically automated document processing system uh, for a variety of applications. Uh, one of them, w- which we launched, with, which, uh, which was our accounting software, but now we've gone further into payments. So we're using AI to process payments for back office, for carriers, for factories, brokers, and shippers. And we've been integrated in a lot of TMSs, and we'll talk a little bit later about you know some of the companies we're integrating with, uh, for example, OTR. Uh, and a few other factoring companies and, and brokers we've integrated with to make make payments easy with AI. What are you uh, What are you whiteboarding on uh, on that board over there, Goodwill Hunting? Oh man, let me embrace that. That is some of our intellectual property. I don't need here. You know, to turn the screen <laughs> down. No, just kidding. Yeah, just kind of architectural diagram I'm sharing with my team. Someone oh. from my team. Well, what 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 are you talking to your team about? What's good in AI, especially since like. All this talk about AI has gotten so mainstream with like chat GPT, but what's good on the freight side? You've been working on this for a while. Yeah, I mean, on the freight side, you know, you know, people still talking about self-driving cars, right? I always tell people, you know, we could probably reduce insurance premiums for carriers and loss of life on roads and people saying how we can do that. Um, you know, that's possible through, you know, not self-driving cars, but we talk about advanced driver assist, right? Collision avoidance, driver uh, drowsy detection, all those types of things are applications of AI that could probably help reduce kind of the concern around safety uh, that, you know, many people haven't really been talking about. So I just wanted to talk about, you know, you know, self-driving cars is getting a bad name, but but I think the level two approach uh, could, could really help reduce some of the operating costs around insurance and even fatalities. Just just my point of view. Interesting. How about on the uh, the less tech AI side, like the, the the less vehicle side, but maybe the side we don't think about as much is, is like the office side, the office worker side. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right, because it is the part that's ignored. Most people don't realize that there's probably about six billion dollars in waste annually in uh, the back office side. And what does that mean? We learned with talking with our customers that a human touches the accounts payable Every time. So that's invoicing, uh, then auditing that invoice to determine whether or not that invoice has any errors in it, and then entering that information in the accounts payable system, and then updating the status, right? Uh, Some of the larger uh, shipper platforms uh, may have some of that tech in there, but it's more of a workflow. And really what we're trying to do is uh, is what we call introducing an Uber, not not Uber, but rideshare-like payment system. So imagine if every time uh, a ride share or Instacart work gig worker uh, got paid, that was a human involved. Uh, most of that is automated. And, and so that's lacking in the trucking industry. It's almost like a check, right, from the 1980s where you, you write the check, but it's a few days before everything <laughs> is settled. But using AI, we can accelerate that uh, to, to do, you know, kind of parallel, sequential and then automation around audit and, 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 and payments, if that makes sense. 
No, sure. Is is that what's driving ROI right now? Like, how are your customers finding value? Yeah. So one of our customers, right, there was a process that took about 10 minutes and they were like, that's all it takes. And they thought that was great, but I had to break it down. I was like, wow, do you know that if it takes 10 minutes to process one of these documents uh, into your TMS for, you know, carrier, uh, carrier loads and, and payments, I was like, that's a lot of money when you can actually do it in five seconds. And it was like five seconds. So we showed them a demo. We showed the demo of a document being processed. It took five seconds. And I was like, now imagine you remove this job function from one of your uh, employees and you can move them onto the sales side. So we were instantly able to win uh, those customers. And so we're growing with the integration of, you know, of, of building loads and payments, right? Reducing now the time and costs and so they're loving, they're loving that. Um, and that. Now that's only taking five seconds of their time. So is something like ChatGPT a good thing? Because it went viral and now it's like, it's almost like Kleenex, right? It's almost like a synonym for AI. And, you know, in the past month, I've seen companies rush standing up, you know, TMS chatbots. You're hearing a lot about chatbots that people are using. I saw one company even did a, their commercial, their freight commercial in AI. They're using MidJourney and, and ChatGPT. Yeah. But is it all chatbots? Like, is, is this a net negative, a net positive? Talk, talk to me about ChatGPT and how it fits into what you do. Yeah, I mean, so let's, let's go into uh, ChatGPT, which was developed by OpenAI, Sam Altman's company. Uh, it is one of many companies out there. Uh, if you think about Google, they've come out with BART, right? These are transformative, generative, general purposes, purpose transformative uh, language models. Uh, that produce uh, text when when prompted with input. Uh, so there are a variety of solutions out there. And, and really, when you think about it, these are more help, what I would call end applications. I think it's kind of experimental at Duke, right? We've been able to reduce kind of our content writing costs because I've been using, you know, I'm exposing one of my secrets. <laughs> and, and in fact, I just did this with an email campaign. I actually had ChatGPT to write a blog for me, uh, did some simple edits, and I was able to produce that within probably 10 minutes. That used to be a time for me to interview with, with, my, with my writer. She would capture all the information and then take maybe five hours to, to produce the content. And so that's just one application. But when you look at the, there, there's a framework that's, that exists behind uh, ChatGPT, which is OpenAI or in the case of BART. And so really what needs what's happening now is companies are building in applications, for example, uh, doing molecular structure combinations to be able to determine, you know, what type of molecule structures can uh, destroy cancer cells, right? You need AI because humans cannot process that amount of data as well as do all the, the kind of humans have a bias, so to speak. And so now if you have a, uh, a robot or, or AI that can now remove some of those biases, it can learn through, you know, its own development. So in trucking, uh, let's apply it now to trucking. What you can see now is uh, ChatGPT or OpenAI is being the foundational, uh, or even Duke. Duke is actually similar to ChatGPT, but it's all around freight documents where you can build applications around it. Wow. So how do you see it reshaping the industry, especially like within the next five years? Is it going to have a, a drastic impact on employment, both positive or negative? That's what we started the show talking about. Yeah, it, it will. Um, there's just too much manual, right? We, we, we think about visibility. We think about capacity. Uh, 
and really it hurts the bottom line of the shipper, the brokers, and, and especially the carriers. The carriers are actually the they 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 actually receive the I guess you would say the short end of the stick of all of the you know fractional costs that come into that, and that's charged back to the carrier. But imagine a world where we could reduce a lot of that back office, right? And then that actually helps now speed up the payment and cash flow, but also reduce kind of the operation costs. You think about a factoring company, they charge a carrier 3%, and it's, it's valid that they charge 3% because they have to do all the work to process it. And then you look at now the cost of capital is more with interest rates going up. But imagine if we could reduce that workflow and make that automated, then the factoring companies, the shippers, the brokers can actually reduce their costs or reduce the charge to the carriers while also maintaining the profitability. And it's a win-win for everyone. What do we have to look out for? What kind of what kind of dangers, what kind of pratfalls are there? I mean, everyone's mind immediately jumps to to Skynet, but, but what should we be concerned about here? To, to me, it, and we've talked about this on previous shows, and, and I'm seeing the workforce not adapting to AI. And what's happening is that anytime there's a new technology, there's always displacement. You think about the horse and carriage being de- displaced by the automobile and retraining the American workforce to work in factories. We have to put an emphasis on retraining, upskilling our workforce for for every job that we're replacing through AI. You know, we at Duke still are taking, for example, military vets, stay-at-home moms, reskilling them to be data scientists. Why is that? Because you'll still need individuals to train the robot, the models, uh, to be able to do kind of what we call reinforced learning. And I, I think we're still behind. And I think that's what's causing some of the fear around AI because everyone is like, my job is in jeopardy. Uh, we have to embrace the AI. We have to embrace it, but we also need to uh, upskill the American workforce accordingly. Wow. Well, Marcus, I already spun the wheel of stupid questions, so let me throw it at you. You've been arrested for smuggling 500 pounds of this snack into a foreign country. What snack is it? Man, it's them damn hot fries. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh like the handicap ones? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. That, that, uh, yeah, and that, that's that's lethal to your stomach, I heard, but I can't get away from it. So Especially on a long be. flight. You, you want to eat those be, like before you land and go through customs, be, just not in the air. <laughs> yeah, sure. You're, you're a big yeah. guy, Marcus. <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, thank you so much for coming on today. People who want to find out more about Duke AI, where do they go? Oh, go to our website, duke.ai. Uh, go to our YouTube channel. We have so many demos out there. We We, we love people to play around. Uh, so go to our website. We have um, we allow you to exa- uh, ex- evaluate it, uh, download the app, right, and uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Marcus uh, Cooksey. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm open and available. Uh, thank right. you so much for stopping by today. Appreciate it. Take care, sir. Hey, great, great to be on. Take care. Have a good one. All right, everybody, send us the hard stuff. That's what Dunavant Logistics says. When you run into that really challenging logistical nightmare that keeps you up at night, call the good folks over at Dunavant. They make headaches disappear. Visit them at Donovan.com. Elsewhere. Oh, oh wait. He's just, just falling on the stage. I hope he's okay. The, the uh, sign language interpreter doesn't seem to care. He's right back doing his job. True professional right there. Let's take one more look. Well, he almost took the interpreter down with him. That would have been a disaster.
Anyways, let's jump over to our next guest here. It looks like it's Keegan Russo, President North American Local Fleet at Fuel Man. Hey, Keegan, how's it going? It's going great. It's uh, it's, it's great to jump on here with you. I love the Red Sox hat. Oh, that, are, are you, uh, d- wait, did you go to Boston College? Was I looking at your um, your profile right? Yes, I did. I actually went to law school at Boston College. I grew up in New England uh, on the coast of Maine and, and lifelong Red Sox fan. So I'm, I'm loving the hat. Well, we had a tough game out here in, in Atlanta, but, uh, you know, there's still more in the series. And we had a, li- a nice long run of wins before then. So I think we're, we're, doing, we're doing well. Uh, for those who have not met you before, introduce yourself and, and what goes down at Fuel Man. Sure. Yeah. So I've been with Fuel Man and Fleet Corps for about three and a half years. I lead our local fleet division. Fleet Corps is probably the the largest B2B fintech player that most people have have never heard of. Uh, So we're a global operator with pretty significant operations in North America, Europe, and South America. Uh, In in North America, we're generally focused on two core types of business, uh, AP and vendor payments business and a vehicle and mobility solutions. And fleet cards is kind of the, the um, you know, the original business uh, that, that fleet core grew out of. Uh, and, and that's the business that I've been lucky enough to, to, to lead the last couple of years. But, you know, Keegan, fuel is under attack, all sorts of regulations going against diesel trucks, all sorts of emission standards. How does, how do you guys stay relevant in a future without traditional fuels? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think in the next year, we've kind of looked at it. We're, we're really going through more of a long transition of XEV and internal combustion fleets. And, you know, I think it's to be more, right? Because a lot of what value we provide for customers is managing the complexity costs of, of, of managing a fleet, right? Uh, and a lot of times with, with our customers on the local fleet side, we're not doing uh, as much of the the over the road trucking as you know, my uh, my peers over on the the trucking side and with Com Data. You know, we're doing a lot of local fleets where you know it's a it's a high complexity job to operate them, but it's usually not the core job of the of the business uh, and and the company that's operating the fleet, right? So, and as much as we're able to. Uh, ensure that it still feels like they're managing one fleet organization with two very different asset types. Uh, you, there's a, there's a huge, huge opportunity for us to transition. What, what sets you apart from other fuel card providers? Yeah, I, I think that the, the advantage that we have right now is, is in large part, with our limited proprietary fuel networks. Uh, so uh, on the local side, uh, we, we run the fuel man network as a little out fuel site. Uh, about a thousand, a little bit more different uh, merchants that we have uh, proprietary agreements with. And, you know, it's the, it's the beauty of a kind of limited um, discount network where, you know, we have forty-five thousand SMB customers. You know, they in in, mo- in most cases can only really fuel at those sites that are in the acceptance network, uh, and you know it, it creates a unique value prop that I think gives us an advantage of being able to bring value to merchants uh, who continue to have these these relationships with us. 
and to the customer because we're able to access kind of deeper savings than you know a, a, a smaller fleet generally would have access to. Well, hey, it looks like Ashley Summers here just in time, and I have one more question for her. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, it's, it's, are you a Red Sox fan as well, as Keegan was telling me? I, I can be. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Right, well, let's go Red Sox. All right. Well, how about this? Let's go Fleets. How can Fleets and drivers get the most out of their fuel cards? Um, so, yeah, um, I think that one of the things that they could do to get the most out of their fuel card is leveraging um, some of the controls and the reporting that we offer. You know, we want our controls to give them the peace of mind when their drivers leave their business, um, that they know their drivers are going to be the right people fueling, they're buying the right things, they're going to the right locations, they're fueling at the right times. Um, but in addition to that, that's kind of sort of the basics, but I think that there's um, more where customers can take it to the next level in that they can use uh, some of our features around proximity authorization. And we have customers that use it to authorize the driver at the pump. So they know that driver A is at that particular pump trying to fuel. And we've even seen some success stories where customers have been able to pass through some of their fuel expenses to um, their own customers because they're able to confirm that the fuel that was purchased was for that specific job. Wow. Um, and additionally, yeah, in addition to that, we even have um, some things on the sustainability side where they can um, do some environmental um, actions where we will actually calculate their carbon offset for them and um, put that towards some offsetting projects around reforestation um, or even renewable energy. So there's a little bit of not just using the, the fuel cards for some of the controls and the reportings that our products um, generally offer at their core. Um, but some of these um, additional features that allow them to go above and beyond. Anything to add to that, Keegan? No, I think she hit some of the the high points right there. I, I will say just on the the EV point um, that you know I think you know, we're we're trying to solve the problem in, in the traditional kind of fleet core approach to it, where you know we're build, we're going to be building out kind of this network and partnering similarly to we to how we do it on the fuel man side um, and, and trying to solve from beginning to end the full suite of challenges that these fleets are, um, are, are going to, um, to run into from how you use and, and calculate to, you know, the penny, what you owe your employees for fueling on their own dime back at home uh, and dispersing that money to them. Like that's a problem that, you know, we have pretty good line of sight that we're going to solve. It puts us in a pretty unique position in the market we're really excited about. Well, very cool. Hey, thank you for joining me. Everybody go check out Fuelman. Thanks for your time today. Or Fuel, sorry, F is it Fuel Man or Fuelman? Fuel Man. Fuel Man. I, I, I was fuel, leading it, then I'm man. like, wait a second, is it Fuelman? It, it's Fuel Man. I like that even better. All right. Thank you guys. I like so, the emphasis you put. I like it. So it's like a superhero, right? Fuel Man. <laughs> Saving the day. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate it. Go check out Fuel Man. Fuel Man. All right, see you later, Fuel Man. All right, let's talk to Super Trucker. There we go. There we go. There he is. What's up, mm -hmm. Justin? How you doing, buddy? Another beautiful day in paradise. Yeah. Yeah, what, what's going on? We're called New Jersey Paradise. <laughs> no, New Jersey's not Paradise. You're not a Devils fan, though. You didn't get to. Are you a Devils fan? 
I'm like not a sports guy at all, and my wife yeah. like picks on me relentlessly for it. So I'm sorry. That was a brutal game last night. I mean, they they they're one of those teams that don't have a goaltender. You know, they keep switching between goaltenders, but when they put four up on one guy and you pull them, and they put four up on the backup, like you're you're left with nowhere to go, Justin. I, I, I believe you. <laughs> well, maybe this maybe cargo theft has nowhere to go. Let's see what's going on here. A cargo yeah. theft ring has been busted. CHP seizes millions of dollars in stolen goods. Um, in stolen goods, dozens arrested in this massive cargo theft theft bust. Fox 5 San Diego says the California Highway Patrol is unveiling its work in a major cargo theft bust. The uh, bust involved tons of containers. The theft operation was millions of dollars, dozens of arrests. They said it started with a tip in March, tw- in March of 2022 in Riverside. They started up a bunch of task force to go find this. To date, officers have arrested more than 40 people, including men and women. It says of all ages. I don't know. They got the whole family involved in this. They've even seized 10 guns, including a ghost gun, which apparently is like, what is that, like a ghost kitchen? Uh, $550,000 in cash, stolen trailers, tractors, big rigs, um, and $50 million worth of stolen goods in warehouses, everything from laptops, microwaves, cars, and makeup. What's going on, Super Trucker? Well, it sounds like the uh, Fast and Furious reboot's been canceled. (laughs) They described this as the head of the snake, uh, basically, like all these crimes were basically um, crimes of opportunity. They didn't really plan any of this. They just were going about their days. And if anytime they saw the opportunity, they would strike and uh, steal whatever cargo they could. Wait, there's like, what are they, like a tribe of gypsies? There's 40 of them. Yeah, it, they didn't really go into the specifics of like names yet. So maybe as more details come out, we can figure out whether this was like a family operation or a cartel related operation. But chances are that it, because it's in California, I wouldn't be surprised if it was car, uh, cartel related. Like what kind of cart? Who runs these types of cartels? Anyone that wants to make the money, I guess. You know, if if, uh, if drug A, B, and C are being legalized in the states, they got to go to find some other source of revenue. A lot of pistachio thefts. Remember, we were tracking one eye. People, <laughs> people were stealing. Well, they're expensive. You go to the grocery store, it's like what twelve dollars yeah. for just a little. I can see why. I and that's uh, on shelled. The, the shelled ones now are like fifteen dollars at our local Acme. And the worst part is you got to pay for the weight of the shell when you're buying that bag. Yeah, yeah. No. It, the the nut theft one was really interesting because that was one where it was nobody thought about it before, and then they realized, oh, these things are just sitting on the field ready to be stolen, and they they would just hook up to an entire trailer and pull them, and nobody nobody had any idea. How this must be such a nightmare because it's a lot easier to steal freight than it is to recover it and go through all the legal problems. Yeah. I, I know people have had their trucks stolen, and it's just it's a nightmare with insurance. It's a nightmare with getting paid. It's a nightmare with the accounts that they had and the relationships that are strained there. None of it's good. No, and it's you know we, we see video after video right now of all this retail theft, and you know the, the reaction to those videos is always, oh, don't worry about it. Re- uh, insurance will cover it. It's like no, that this this takes years if you're going to get paid back. Yeah. Well, you know what was costing some truck drivers jobs? Their opinion on getting vaccinated. If you remember, it was Mm -hmm. a big storyline in 2020, especially going into 2021. There were a lot of drivers who did not want to get vaccinated to go cross border, especially Canadian truckers. You might remember in January and February of when? What was that last year? The Freedom Convoy was that 21? Yeah. No, that was 22, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, December 21 into uh, January 2022. 
You know, and, and now it's like almost a year and a half later. And at that time, one of the reasons the Freedom Convoy got so much backing it did outside from just drivers was I think a lot of regular people who went and actually got vaccinated and got their two vax were sick of the talk that was happening in the beginning of 2022 that lockdowns yeah. might happen again, that your kids might not be able to school, that your job might want you to wear a mask. It was like enough of this nonsense. And I think that that's why to some people, those truck drivers at Freedom Convoy, they became almost like cult heroes. Yeah, it, it became a, a universal struggle because everyone can realize, you know, the difficulties involved of like the rules were changing week to week. You know, the enforcement was lax in some areas, but really strict in others. There was no, you know, uniformity to this whatsoever. It, it just it all depended where you were, what time of year it was and, you know, the, the, the luck of the draw of whatever agent you had to deal with for the day. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security, they announced beginning May 12th, DHS will no longer require non-U.S. travelers entering the U.S. via land ports of entry and ferry terminals to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and provide related proof of vaccination upon request. A big, uh, a big win for a lot of the drivers that you have been hearing. I know that the yeah. vaccine, especially a lot of our policy on COVID, has, has been in some ways rightfully under attack. Yeah, and just this week, you know, the World Health Organization said the 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 covid uh global emergency is over um so yeah i I think most people are just kind of over it by now we've been very fortunate that every new strain that comes out has been weaker than the last um you know there was a lot of thinking in the beginning that each strain was going to be worse than the last one but fortunately that has not been the case and i totally understand why all this stuff is being wound down now oh yeah i mean now the world is just a bunch of empty uh purell dispensers anytime like i was at amc and you, it's so annoying every time you stick yeah. your hand under one you just hear that little whir of the motor and then nothing comes out or yeah. or even worse and do you agree with me this should be a federal offense if you put regular hand sanitizer i mean not regular i'm sorry regular hand soap inside a purell dispenser you should have to go to jail that should at least be a fine yeah oh yeah and then you have different ones that are like a gel dispenser versus a foam dispenser and they mix up the two all the time yeah Straight to jail. Well, all told, 10 to 15% of drivers on the Canadian side were still unvaccinated. So now they're going to, if they haven't quit the business, and if they want to come back in, I don't know what these rates if they want to come back in. Yeah. But if they want to, and they didn't die of COVID, and the vaccine didn't matter, it's, 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 it's open again, as it should be. Yeah, more power to them. Speaking of open, how about an open view of the world? Should all truck drive, all truck stops have a door like this one in the restroom? So picture this to you audio listeners. You're sitting there on your throne. You're getting that relief. You might have been waiting. There might have been a long line. You finally get that relief. You sit down, and then you can see whoever is knocking at the door, standing in the door, pacing in front of the door as you do your business. How do you feel about this? there's kind of like a, a creep factor to it. You know, it's nice to see that there's somebody out there waiting, but also like, you know, like if someone's jiggling the handle, but um, sometimes these things don't work as, as well as they say they do. Um, I know if you're wearing polarized sunglasses, <laughs> you can see right through the glass. So wait, what? <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the show. Yeah. I, I was reading up on these. They have ones that fog up the, the glass or they have ones that are like a polarized mirror. And if you're wearing polarized sunglasses, you see straight through it. I feel like this would this. I mean, this definitely would make me go quicker. It might make me spite the person, <laughs> or like just watch them. But it also, I could give you performance anxiety too. You know, you're sitting. It's just yeah, weird yeah, yeah. having a person that close looking at you. No, no, just have like the, the walled off, closed, enclosed. You know, stall, do your business, and, and get out as quick as you can. You see them like checking their Apple Watch and, and like just getting <laughs> frustrated at you. <laughs> and that and that lady had to go too. She's she's in there dancing. 
I know she had the dancer. Would you? So how long do you stay if you see someone doing that? Are you? Would you spite them? No, no. I, you know, I'm, I'm in and out. Yeah, yeah. Who wants to hang out? How long? Unless it has a teddy bear, like that giant teddy bear, like that one restroom we saw. Yeah, de- de- depends. If there's someone on the on the stall next to you on their phone, sorry, man, you're in here with me. Well, Justin, judging by the way most people drive, they need to watch this crash damage video. Take a look at what will happen to your four wheeler. Take a look at what will happen to your four-wheeler when you hit the back of a flatbed. And that one has the uh, Jane Mansfield bar on it, as all trucks do. Um, as you look at this crash, that's what it's hitting. If it didn't have that there, you'd get completely can-opened by the uh, the upper part of that flatbed. Is that not true, Justin? Absolutely. What's funny, too, is it, you know, it's showing different speeds. You know, 10, 10 miles per hour, 15, that's up to 25, now it's up to 35. It kind of looks, the first time I saw this, it looks slower in the beginning. Once it starts getting up to like the really crazy speeds, um, it looks a little more realistic, I guess. But it's it's kind of cool seeing all these different, um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm thinking of here? Simulations of like of the, of the actual accidents. Yeah, there were people yeah, online it, who were like, it's, there were people online who were like, how many cars did they waste it. on this? I'm like, it's, it's, a, simula- it's a simulation. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, see, now it's up to 75, and it's getting absolutely crumpled. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. On the highway, when, you, when you've seen this from 75, and, and nine, by 90, you're dead. I mean, look at that. You're, oh, yeah. you're dead. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the back seat might survive, but if you're in that front seat, you're the pad, especially you got your foot on the steering wheel. You're one of those people who drives out. You'd be like a, like a folding chair. I like how the video also does like the whole Mythbusters type thing where it's like, okay, if it's safe at this speed, what speed do we need to get it up to before it becomes like absolutely dis- like, yeah, 150 right there. Everyone in that car is dead. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, once it gets up to like 300, it's almost near disintegration. You just see <laughs> all the pieces flying, flying out everywhere. Tell, I have, um, I tell you, I've never tell got you what, into. That's some, that's some, sorry, I'm just going to say that's some really good strap work on that load right there. Oh, it, it doesn't even, like, the, get the driver in there, he doesn't even spill his coffee until he gets hit at, like, 150 miles an hour. Like, that's secure work. That is on point. That, that's going yes. on here. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, you know what? Training, though. Training can prevent an accident. I know you've got a young son. You can stop this video. Training can help prevent an accident. I know you've got a, uh, a young son out there. Have you trained him, though, in, like, how to do a pre-inspection on your car? No, I, we're we're trying to do body training right now, and that's that's a bit of a disaster. Okay, well let's let's rate the parenting here. Let's see if this parent did a good job of training their kid how to be a firefighter. Sound up? Yo, turn that sound up, please. Duty when like they're not on like a call. So. Mm-hmm. Got the uniforms. Got You're not yeah, so they said he was psyched, and this is what I always do with my kids. You gotta harness that energy when they get really into something, right? And this is how I like taught my kids like how to read and math. Anytime, and it's not like a book topic. Like if they get into Zelda, they get into Superman. I get all the books around, or when they were really into Star Wars, I got that. That's how they started learning like astronomy and uh, like diagrams of how vehicles work yeah. and everything. If they had something like this for like astronaut training or maybe like an astrophysicist, my son would definitely be into that. He he's been into like space and planets and stuff since he was like one. But all his other interests, it's like every five minutes he just changes the topic of whatever he's interested in. But planets, that's always his thing. But yeah, this kid, man, this this kid was like born to be a firefighter. He's he's just crushing this course. He's even got he's even got first aid, right? I they're starting yeah. to teach that at school now, like tourniquets and stuff, but this guy's learning it in, in his backyard. 
Yeah, have the kid hit some weights so he can fireman carry, no problem. I would love to see when he grows up to be, you know, 21, 22, see how he does on that obstacle course. All right, well, we're going to give this parenting a 10 out of 10. Let's let's drop that one. Well, on today's show, I've been asking everybody, if you were to smuggle a snack into another country, what would it be? Nobody has said fruit roll-ups, but that could be because they haven't gone to Israel yet. According to the New York Times, because of a recipe that's spread widely on TikTok, Fruit roll-ups are now in super high demand over in Israel. The government has cracked down on them. Everyone's trying to make this recipe. It says in one week alone, they confiscated 661 pounds of fruit (laughs) roll-ups. A fruit roll-up only weighs less than half an ounce, so they said that could be tens of thousands of individual packets. This trend all started because of someone named Golnar Govami, who is apparently an influencer on TikTok. She posted a video of herself wrapping a scoop of ice cream in a, a, a scoop of mango ice cream inside a fruit roll. Let's take a look at the recipe. Let's see if this is any good. It's Saturday night, and I'm going to have my sweet guilty pleasure. And it said a single fruit roll up is $6 over there. Oh, no, it's gone up. New York Times said up to $8. From Amazon. Jeez. The arbitrage is working. They come in packages like this you can buy them anywhere i bought them on amazon because you never know uh, with these tiktok recipes because sometimes they can be absolutely insane like the method that someone takes to cook nachos i I don't know i've seen some especially weird nacho cookings on here i just want to know what led her down this path like i you know i enjoyed fruit rolls in my youth i haven't had one in probably 30 years but i never thought to put ice cream or i I don't even think this is ice cream she's using i think it's sherbet is it? I've, I've never thought to put ice cream inside of a fruit roll before. I mean, Briars isn't high quality, but maybe it makes a good wrap. Like she's using the fruit roll up as a wrap here, and she's scooping it. It's a simple recipe. She's scooping the ice cream in it, then she rolls it up, and she makes an interesting claim. She says like the real like what hits here is that it makes the fruit roll up hard and it shatters in your mouth. It gives like the ice cream a crunch. Yeah, right there. She's crunching it. Ugh. Yum. Do you like a crunchy ice cream? uh, I like mint chocolate chip, so I guess there's a little bit of crunch there. I'm so sorry. Are you going to try this recipe for science for for, for what the truck? Sure. Sure, I'll do this for for the gram, as the kids say. (laughs) Does does your boy eat fruit roll-ups? I don't have any fruit roll-ups on hand. The only ice cream I have is cookie butter. He likes those like little gummy fruit snacks. Those are like like his big... Every other word out of his mouth these days is fruit snack. That's all he wants. Well, fruit snacks are delicious. Who could even blame him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you have a Nintendo Switch. Does your kid? You, you have a Nintendo Switch. I got, I have two Nintendo Switches. No, just the one. My I wife that, plays it more than I do these days. I think that might be part of the problem. You've already got two. It's six years into it. The Switch has almost hit critical mass, just as the PS5 has said that it's it set records for what it sold. CNBC reports Nintendo Switch sales plunged twenty two percent. 22%, and the gaming giant, they expect further declines. And analysts are now saying, this is the peak, right? These numbers are not going to go back up. And look, they've gotten a lot out of it. They've sold 17.97 million units of this thing. And I think it's the third best-selling console of all time. And they're right on the cusp of releasing their biggest game, a game that some people thought might be cross-platform for like the Super Switch or the Switch 2, just as Breath of the Wild was with um, the Wii U and... With um with the switch itself, what do you think here? Yeah, it's like every 
every year there is always a rumor of there being like a Switch Pro model, you know, upgrades, upgrades, upgrades. But the last year, they Nintendo has been swatting those rumors down. They're like, no, we're we're ending, we're we're gearing towards the end of life of this console. The typical console lasts maybe eight years. Um, they've sold 125 million units as of December last year. That's just behind the number one console. Uh, 155 million PlayStation 2s have been sold since you know during the entire lifetime. So yeah, how many more can they sell? I, if, are, are PlayStation 2s like still in action if you go to some other countries? Yeah, the the, the problem now is um, all the collectors are getting into it. The last yeah, like, I, I would say since right before COVID, um, it really sucks saying it, but the the PlayStation 2 is in the uh, retro uh, phase right now. So retro gaming units are just like through the roof right now. The, the and there's no reason to. There's 155 million of these things out there. The price you should be able to go out and like trip over a PlayStation 2. But the the, the 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 sellers online want like 100 bucks for these things. It's ridiculous. but it's almost like like the Xbox 360 had that fatal flaw where it had the Red Ring of Death, yeah. and the PS2 had that flaw where a few years into its life cycle, that laser on the DVD got um, off focus for a lot of it, making a lot of discs unreadable. Yeah. However, the Switch still has one last gasp for error. My kids will not shut up about this game. I remember when they came home a year ago from school and they delayed it by ear. Turn the sound up on this. Let's check out this trailer. Turn that sound way up. Yeah, this soundtrack. This, I think, is one of the greatest game trailers ever made. Yeah, it's pretty high. Um, it's such a... I mean, the original game, the, the map itself was huge. And... One of the nice things about this game is the freedom of exploration. You can literally crawl across the entire map. It's ruined other games for me. Like when I'm in open world games, it's so annoying when I walk to like a wall or a mountain and I can't climb it because I'm so used to Breath of the Wild and it gave you that that freedom. Most other games they have like like the wall will have like special indicators on it that you can jump onto and it kind of takes you yeah. out of it. Where they got it really right in this game and it looks like they've um They've really took the sandbox element that fans have embraced here and have modded and have and have made speed runs out of and have made great YouTube videos and they've really um, embraced it with what the way they allowed you to craft weapons and everything in this version. I can't wait for like six months from now the YouTube videos of these kids that are going to take the, the physics of that game and just break it and bend it to their wills because the designers will have all kinds of plans of how they want the game to be played, but once you give it out to millions of fans out there, they're going to tear your your game inside out and figure out how to break it. Especially with, if you've seen some of the playthroughs of the demo, this game is going oh, to yeah, welcome yeah. it. You know where it would be nice to play it, though? Maybe in the back of a giant truck like this. Let's rate the sleeper. You ever get to stay in a uh, a road castle like this, watching a little shark tail? I've seen plenty on the road. I, I, I've had a couple that were nice to like let me tour the inside and be nosy. But, yeah, driving a palace on a wheel like this, man, I, I would be so nervous. I guess you could just you get used to it like anything, but... I mean, look at it. It has, it has like a whole separate rooms. Even a rounded this. sink, I, I, right? Even a rounded little yeah. sink in there. It looks high end. And, and like a lot of them, a lot of them will have like an RV uh, toilet in there. So it'll be like a shower and toilet combined unit. This thing's like a, it's not a full size bathroom, but it's the, the sink, the toilet, and the shower are all separate. It's got a nice, uh, probably not a, it looks like a twin. What's that? Like a love making back, mirror you, up there? What do you, do you have a mirror? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow, driver. Having a good time in a truck there. You know, people always ask who, who pulls these things. You're not pulling your traditional freight with these, but we talked about Taylor Swift. Yeah. A lot of times uh, people on those tours will pull these things. People on team tours, yeah. they have special ones. Sometimes the longer ones are used for advertising examples as well. But if you have one that big, you might need a maid. Let's take a look at this really quick. What do you think of Rosie the Robot over here? This comes from a company called Prosper. One thing I noticed most immediately is why is it plugged in? 
Yeah, it's doing a really good job of not tripping over the cord or yanking uh, uh, the chair across the room. I, I would be worried about it running over the cord for sure. You know what's creepy? They say that these are that this isn't like autonomous or AI. There's a remote operator, so it's like their idea is that you pay a monthly fee and then like there'll be like a giant warehouse full of people oh, operating. He's looking at you in your pajamas, Super Trucker. Not me! No robots for me! Thank you for joining us today, Super Trucker. FW, what the truck on the social media. Find us on TikTok. Find that. Find me at Timothy Dooner. Scottish show wherever you get shows. Don't be a stranger! And take care.